Episode 68 of Throwback Hoops. My name is Rob Clayton, and joining me as always is Woody V. What's happening, mate? Good day, man. A Hawks got to win. 38, 38, 38, right? Back to 500. Yeah. Always good when the Hawks get a win. That means I'll definitely lose their next one, but uh, good, to, good to have you back, mate. And um, look, just before we get into our, introducing our special guest, um, just a reminder where to find us. Of course, we're on YouTube or where all podcasts are found. Please make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. All right, so today we're absolutely thrilled to have another very special guest joining us. This man grew up in the southern suburbs of Melbourne and was a huge fan of the southeast Melbourne magic. He has been compared to a young Jason Statham and is also known as one of the most recognised commentators in the country, calling a number of sports such as cricket, A-League soccer, AFL, netball and even lawn bowls. The viewers of our show will know him from being the lead commentator in the NBL and the host of the NBL Today podcast. It is a big throwback hoops welcome to Jack Heverin. It is my absolute pleasure, boys. Thank you for having me. You've got the strongest jersey game in Australian basketball, so it's an <laughs> honour to be with you. Can we just talk about the Jason Statham line for a second? Yeah, because of course. No one, no one, including my fiance, has ever said that, so I really <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you. You like that one, right? Yeah, he's always pretty popular with the ladies, so no, I thought I'd throw that one in there. So I yeah, uh, really appreciate you coming on, Jack. I know we've been sort of teeing this up over the last couple of weeks. We know you're obviously uh, busy at the moment. Um, but look, we've mentioned as well, anyone that comes on the show, we love them to wear you know, a jersey or some team gear or something and tell a little bit of a story about what they're wearing. So, so you're rocking that nice Lakers hoodie there. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, I, t- I wish I had your Magic jersey, Rob, to be honest, because uh, as, as you say, I grew up in southeast parts of Melbourne. I love the Magic. We'll get into that. But uh, this is all I've got as far as hoops paraphernalia. I- I'm a Magic man from way back, and I was a Lakers man from way back. I reckon it goes back to about... I want to say 1993. I think I would have been about seven or eight. Nice. It was Nick Van Exel's first year as a Los Angeles Laker. Ended up being James Worthy's last year as a Laker. And it's funny how I ended up supporting them because the season was a shambles. I think they won 30 games. And by the end of the season, Magic Johnson was coaching the team. But wow. I don't know. There was just something about the Lakers and the Hollywood aspect and Nick Van Exel that kind of drew wow. me to them. So I've been a, a Lakers man ever since. Very good. Well, I've worn a Van Exel jersey on the show before. Someone that, yeah, Woody and I both, <coughs> both That's really like. That's like, man. Yeah. Exactly. And I mentioned to people as well, go on YouTube and look at his highlights because, mate, they heard amazing some of the stuff that that guy was doing there. So one-time All-Star, I think he was from. One-time All-Star. Nick the Quick. Nick the Quick. That's Nick right. Quick. Well, uh, appreciate that then, Jack. Well, um, Woods, why don't you take us away? I can see you, obviously, with that awesome Hawks hat there, but you're rocking a bit of an older 36s jersey. Yeah, you got it, man. The Woods is going to stand up and model his jersey, so it's a pretty random number 25, Keanu Pinder, Adelaide jersey. So I reckon that one was custom made. I'm not sure that one was available in the team store when he was with Adelaide. Look, you look, yeah, definitely it was at that time, right? Now now, now that they're, they're flying off the shelf in Cairns, right? But <laughs> I'll tell you something, Jack, like, uh, you know, me from Sydney and, 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 jo- and Rob, Rob from Perth, you know, we follow Tiny Pinder, right? And... Uh, Despite all his off-court issues, he's a fantastic player, right? And um, I know he had more success in Perth than he did in, in Sydney. And I think in about 2011-12, 10 did a feature on, on, on Keanu, son of a gun, right? And I, I watched it and I'm like, man, I'm going to follow this guy's career. And I saw his college career. He actually teamed up with DeAndre Ayton in Arizona, went and played in, in Poland for a few years before coming to Adelaide. 
And when he came to Adelaide, it didn't all go to plan, right? Um, and a lot of people were very critical of his performances early on. But to be fair, Coach Connor Henry actually stuck with him, you know, played him, played him, played him as much as he could and developed him pretty well. People say that he, he, he thrived under the tutelage of Adam Ford in the last few years. Uh, but, you know, Connor Henry was also good for him. And towards the end of that season, he showed signs of what he could eventually be. And uh, anyone, anyone who said anything about him, you know, I would, I would go come to his defense. I even reached out to him on Instagram and, 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 and got to know him uh, during that first season in Adelaide. And he was going through some, some issues with his, um, you know, mental health, with everyone, like, talking about him in the media and, and being harsh on him. But just to see him thrive and, 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 and done what he's done over the last few years is extremely heartwarming. He's a great basketball player, but he just seems like a really good person as well, representing the Aboriginal community as well. So uh, I think we'll get into it a bit later, but um, maybe it's worth you commenting on, on what you think about his rise over the last few years. I'll, I'll absolutely put my hand up and say that I got it wrong with him. Um, and I think a lot of people did. Um, that year in Adelaide, you could tell he was still young and still raw. And we, and we kind of knew his backstory, as you mentioned, but it, it just wasn't happening for him. Uh, and it, it's I don't know whether he was confused about the system or whatever, but there were times where you're looking at this young guy thinking, he doesn't know where he needs to be at the offensive end. Yep. But what you did see at the defensive end of the floor is the kid could rebound and the kid could block shots. So you knew there was something there and he found a situation that suited and a situation that's fitted. I think sometimes in professional sport and, and you know, this is across footy, uh, AFL, across cricket, across whatever it may be. I think sometimes we expect that youngsters are just going to come in and, and dominate straight away and get it straight away. Keanu's still in his mid-20s. So we're not talking about a guy here who's 29 or 30. So I think it's now just all started to click physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever else. Now he's become the player that he's become. So, yeah, I'm definitely one. I got it wrong with him at first, but he's one of the great success stories of Australian basketball in the last three or four years. Definitely, Jack. And in, in that first year as well in Cairns, not only was it Adam Ford, I think Nathan Jawai had a little bit of an effect on him. He had a veteran there in the locker room, you know, with a similar background, um, took him under his wing a little bit. So I think Jawai also played a bit of a role in his in his development in, in the, those early stages at Cairns. Uh, well said, fellas. And look, Woods, I can certainly confirm, you know, how long you have been a fan of this guy. Yes. He's absolutely, you know, before the, the bandwagon was rolling a little bit for him and that. So as you said, we will talk a little bit about him lately, um, uh, later. Not 100% sure if we will see him back in the NBL. Um, so I'll have to ask you how you feel about that. But anyway, I'll sort of go on to, to my jersey. And look, when I reached out to, to Jack in the week, he mentioned that he was a, a Magic fan growing up. So I thought, right, I know exactly what jersey I'm going to wear now. So uh, one of my all-time favourites. First time I've rocked this one as well. So I'll stand up and show you this one. So to all our audience listening that can't see, Robbie's wearing the South East Melbourne Magic. Parkinson, Parky, number 14 yes. jersey. Throwback, if I've ever seen one, homeboy. It's a good one, that one, right? So, yeah, well, just a little bit about uh, Mr. Parkinson there. So, actually, before I start with that, I am sort of hanging up a bit of a Michigan jersey in the background. I'm not going to tell a story about that. Jack, I always sort of show two jerseys just because I've got too many in the collection. I might as well show two every episode. But just in honour of March Madness, um, it's actually an old uh, Trey Burke, Michigan Wolverines jersey. Um, shout out to Trey Burke. He played on that Michigan team with Tim Hardaway Jr., Glenn Robinson III, and Nick Stauskas. Um, Bit of an up-and-down NBA career, and I believe he's still in the G League, but that's just a little spiel on Trey Burke there. But in terms of the guy that I'm rocking today, um, so, yeah, it's an Andrew Parkinson black southeast Melbourne Magic jersey. So 
I'd have to say, um, and Woods, you'd know this as well, um, absolutely love this guy. In fact, I'd probably say along with Ricky Grace, he would be my favourite ever NBL player, which is a pretty big call, right? Um, so Parky played 10 seasons in the NBL, starting with Geelong in 1988 and finished with the Magic in 1998. Um, one of the better shooters the NBL has seen, and I can't help but think just how good he would be in today's NBL with such a focus on the outside shot. Um, I believe in his career, he never averaged more than six um, three-point attempts a game. So that would surely be around 10 the way the game is now played. So his accolades, he's a two-time champion in 92 and 96, um, most improved player in 91, had a career high of 49 points, which is pretty special there. So um, fun fact, I actually wore the same red Converse shoes as Parky in the early 90s in honour of him. Um, and I'll tell this one quickly, Jack. I have told this story before, but um, as a kid, I went to the Kingdome when the Magic were in town and so excited. I got my Futura um, Andrew Parkinson card signed. Didn't have the greatest pen. It wasn't a Sharpie or anything else like that. And by the end of the night, the signature completely um, got uh, rubbed off the card there. So got it signed, but it actually yeah, didn't last more than an hour there. But um, yeah, a little bit of a story on Parky. I, mean, I know he's obviously had some health issues Um you know, over the last few years, I believe he's going okay now. Um, you see someone you've ever sort of come into contact with there, Jake? I'm really lucky to have come into contact with him for sure. And I'm with you. He was one of my favourite Magic players. Um, nice. I've had the good fortune to do a little bit of radio work with Parky. We did some NBA stuff about three or four seasons ago with Chris Anstey, his great mate. Um, still see him at games. He gets along to a lot of games. His kids are now a bit older and love going to games as well. He's just a really good guy, and which awesome. makes... You know, not that you wish the sort of health battles that Parky's had on anyone, yeah. but when you think about what sort of person that he is, it's it's such a shame that he's been through that. But as you say, he's he's going pretty well. He looks fit, he looks healthy, and, and he's always happy to come over and have a chat. So I love that you've rocked that one tonight. That's great to hear. And he was, um, I've sort of mentioned before, I have those players in that sort of category that make me laugh out loud. And some of the shots and the distance he used to launch those threes from, and when he was on fire, he just had no conscience and he'd, Throw them up from anywhere. So, yeah, go absolutely love there. So, no, good stuff there, fellas. I appreciate a bit of a trip down memory lane there. So, all right, so get into a bit of a chat with Jack there. As Woody likes to say, we'll chop it up with our guests there. But, um, well, yeah, uh, Jack, I just wanted to obviously start off. Um, I mentioned that mentioned in that amazing intro before that you grew up in the southern suburbs of Melbourne and you were a mad southeast Melbourne Magic fan. So talk to us a little bit about those days and some of your memories attending those Magic, uh, magic games in the 90s. It was a staple diet for me. Um, I, I grew up in a, a family. My dad's one of seven, really strong AFL cricket family, like it was footy in the winter and cricket in the summer. So basketball was something that was a little bit more definitely foreign to him. Um, luckily for me, my mum loved it straight away, and I, and I think she could tell that, that I loved it and she supported me uh, in that. My first, I got a backboard. I was born in 85. I got a backboard and a, and a hoop installed in our driveway in 91. And it had, a, it had the Spectres logo on the, on the, on the uh, inside, obviously, the middle of it. And then the following year, the Spectres became the magic. So that's kind of where I, I, I just supported the Spectres because it was on the backboard. And then they became the magic, Brian Gorge, and there was a lot of hype at, at that stage because they'd merged the Saints and the Spectres. Yeah. Um, and then I started following them. They won a title in, in their first season, which was awesome. So I, I was with them ever since. Um, we would go to so many games at what's now known, um, well, back then it was the Tennis Centre and, and, you know, you had 14,000 people week in, week out. 
we would go all the time. Mum and I would go, I think my ninth birthday, mum and dad hired a minivan and drove me and nine of my mates to a game uh, for my birthday, which was really cool. Um, So it was a huge part of my life growing up. I still played footy and I still played cricket, but basketball to me was, was everything as a young, young kid growing up. How did you take the news when they folded then? Um, That obviously would have hit you hard. Yeah, it did. Uh, And then, you know, there were some iterations beyond that, weren't they, with the, mm. the Titans and um, the South Dragons came back and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And it was just never the same, though, um, because that magic run was was awesome and Gorge was such a, a great part of that. But there was Jason Smith and Sam McKinnon and Parky, as you mentioned, you know, John Dorge, the big man in the middle with the, those elbows that would take anyone out. <laughs> um, yeah, when, when things changed, I, I sort of didn't go with it perhaps as much as, as what I should have, but... Yeah, those magic times were unreal. Uh, what were your memories of those magic teams, Woods? Slam and Sam McKinnon, right? You know, the the the, the final series, right? Um, mm. Yeah, just good times. Even Eastside Spectres going back, Bruce Bolden and those guys taking on Perth in 91, 92. I think it was three, grams, three game series when Pete Hansen and Tiny Pinder and those guys were there. If you look even 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 back a little bit further, right? Um, nice. uh, Brian Gorgian on the sideline with his long hair. Drinking that Diet Coke out of the bottle, right? Is, is that right? Yeah, yeah, everyone had the Diet Coke for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, oh, good stuff. Well, um, obviously, Jack, um, we know you're a bit of a jack of all trades with sports. I think you like what I did there. Um, did you play any sports, including basketball, growing up? And what sport would you say you were the most passionate about? Well, that's a good question. I played all three. Um, was always basketball, cricket and footy. And, you know, I, I love the fact that my parents... Um, made all three work for me. And, you know, that, that often meant like a Sunday morning basketball training session, then going to play footy and you know, cricket in, on a Saturday in the, in the summer and all that sort of stuff. I played them all, all at local level. Um, I, I'm five foot eight, five foot nine at best. So basketball was never going to be a, uh, a long-term thing, but loved it. Played all, all of my basketball out at Frankston down in the South and, Still keep an eye on the Blues. And Brad Newley's gone there this year, which is really cool. That's and right. yeah. uh, I'll be keeping a, a close eye on them, which is awesome. But I probably, in terms of the sport I played the most, I played cricket all the way through until um, about five years ago. I had to retire um, for a, an injury that um, that I'm not going to be able to recover from, unfortunately. But cricket was, was probably the biggest one for me in terms of playing. In terms of passion, I loved all three of them. Equally, and it's not a fence-sitting answer, I genuinely love cricket, footy and basketball equally and, and to this day still love all three of them. So to get to, to commentate on all three, is that, that's living the dream. I can see Woody's eyes just lighting up as you're mentioning yeah, it. There's two things I love in life. There's, there. there's yeah. three things I love in life apart from my family and my wife. Hip-hop, cricket <laughs> and basketball, right? So yep. being Indian myself, you know, I, I share some of those passions. Footy, foot, footy Robbie's got you covered, though. So, yeah, yeah, uh, I definitely love my footy. Well, well that's, that's a good point. You've, you've broadened your knowledge on a whole heap of sports there, Jack. But the decision to get into sports broadcasting, um, what brought that about? And obviously there must have been a lot of hard work that went into that um, to get to where you are today. Honestly, Woody, it was a total accident. Uh, there's all these stories of um, me as a kid. You know, I could commentate the 1990 grand final. I watched it that many times at my nan and pop's house that I knew the first quarter, you know, word for word. And you could ask me any NBA player because of like NBA Live 95 and all that sort of stuff. I knew every player on every roster. So there's all these stories when I was young of, I guess, essentially 
going down that path already, but I didn't know that I wanted to do it. I actually went through high school thinking that I wanted to be a primary school teacher um, and worked towards that. Didn't quite get the marks that I needed to and actually had no other alternatives or no other plans except to go overseas. So I went and played cricket in England for a year in 2005. Um, I feel really sorry for the club that had me because uh, I pretty much drunk my way through the entire six months. I'm not sure I played a, a lot of good cricket the time that I was there, but I loved it. Um, it was only when I came back that I was working in sales because my dad was in sales and we'd go and watch our local footy team play every weekend because all the guys I played junior footy with were still playing and all that sort of stuff. And it was a social thing. And one of my very good friends who became an amazing mentor and unfortunately is no longer with us, used to do the commentary on the the local community radio station. And on a Friday night, we're at the, we're at the local pub having a couple of drinks after work. And he came up to me and said, look, the guy that I was calling was pulled out. Do you reckon you can help me out tomorrow? Please, I'm desperate. And I said, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. No way. And then I came back and had to think about it. And I came back to him about half an hour later and said, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll have a go. Bugger it. Like, you know, I'll have a go. And it was like a light bulb moment. Ten minutes into the first quarter of that game, I remember just this light bulb that went off in my head and said, this is it. This is your career. This is what sports media, this is the one now. I was 23, 24, had no degree, had no contacts, had no nothing. So, yeah, I've I've absolutely had to do it the hard way, but I wouldn't change it at all. There's been a lot of missed birthdays and missed weddings and, you know, friendships that have unfortunately had to suffer along the way. And even to this day, it's still the same, but um, I wouldn't change it for anything. I I love what I do and and I wake up every day thinking about it. That's great, Jack. So... Look, when you think of sports broadcasting, commentating, being part of the media, it's often a role that is reserved for ex-professionals, ex-players. And being Indian myself, you think about the greatest man to make it in sports broadcasting, possibly in the world who never actually played the game. And you think of Harsha Bogle, right? What a great man he is, right? Um, And it happens very rarely in India and also very rarely here. So obviously the world has changed a little bit. There's podcasts, there's various different mediums, social media to get out there. What would you give to a, a budding youngster your age sitting in that pub at 21, 22 or whatever who who has aspirations of going down the same path that, that you have? Know your role. So I think that's really important and it's something that I, I to, to this day I still kind of pride myself on a little bit and you, you, you might notice during a, an NBL broadcast or whatever else I'm involved in, I don't have an opinion. Um, because it's not my job to have an opinion. Uh, trust me, yep. there is no one tuning in to watch Friday night NBL broadcast to hear what I think. They're tuning in to hear what Andrew Gaze has to think and Leonard Copeland and on a Sunday it's with Liam, whoever. They're not tuning in to hear what I think because my opinion does not matter. But what matters is that I have to get the best out of the people around me and make them the most important people in the broadcast because they are outside of the game and the players and what's going on. It's the same in, uh, in AFL. It's very much a team environment there. And your job is to facilitate cricket commentary. That's what you do basically. And that's, that's how you find a role in cricket, which doesn't ordinarily have a lot of space for people who haven't played at the highest level, like you say, Woody. So in that case, if you want a spot involved in cricket commentary at a decent level, then, you got to understand your role. So I worked that out really quickly and 
to this day, I've lived by that. And I think it's really good advice that I would give to any young person coming through who hasn't played at the top level is understand where you fit and play that role well. No, great answer. Thanks, Jack. Well, while we're on the topic of cr- cricket, Robbie told me not to ask too many cricket questions. <laughs> World Test Championship final coming up. Okay, we're not playing in India. We're not playing in, in, in Australia. We're playing with the Duke's ball at Lords. Can you beat us? And when I say us, I only support India and cricket. No other sports, right? So I was trying to work out who us was for a second there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we can. I'm not sure we've been super convincing um, with the bat. But uh, English conditions, I'd be interested to see what they do with the, the bowling lineup for that. Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, historically three tearaway quicks don't yeah. work. In England, you generally need that Jimmy Anderson, Seema type who can Boland, move maybe. around. Yeah, I think it's Scott Boland or it might be Mike Nessa. Meniza. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think there's a role for one of those guys. So I think we can. I actually think the conditions favour India probably more than they favour Australia, to be truthful. I think Shami and some of the Indian seamers will really relish those conditions and have in the past. So, yeah, we can do it, but um, I would have India as favourites at this stage. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a good contest. Yeah, me too. Oh, well, now that Woody's got two cricket questions in there, um, <laughs> I wanted to sneak an AFL question in there for you, though, Jack. So, um, firstly, who is your team um, that you support? And just also wanted to know as well, what do you sort of find the main differences are in calling footy compared to basketball? I mean, obviously, from the outside looking in, there's the obvious things, like a lot more players on the field and a lot more names to know in football. But, yeah, how would you sort of um, how would you answer those? Um. The first part of the answer is a boring one. Um, I actually don't support a team. I grew up as a, as a youngster, um, as a Collingwood supporter. My, my, my pop is one of my favourite people in the world and he's a dyed-in-the-wool Collingwood supporter. Had the tattoo on the arm with the, the same tattoo parlour that all the Collingwood players did in 1990 and was in the line with them and all, he still tells the story to this day. Um, but I actually sort of, pop got a bit older and couldn't take me to, to games and it, it kind of meant I became a bit detached from Collingwood, which is fine. Um, and once I started working in it professionally, it's my job to commentate, not to, not to barrack. So, um, so yeah, I, I kind of stay away from any of that sort of stuff. In terms of differences, I think, I think, I mean, you're right. There are a lot more players um, and there are, uh, AFL is a lot more 360 in terms of the way that it happens. Yes. In, in NBL and, you can still have fast breaks and things like that. But ordinarily, a lot of the time, it's, you know, one team comes up the court, they have their offensive set, other team comes back the other way and all that sort of stuff. So you can kind of have everything in front of you, whereas AFL, it, it can it can turn on a dime really quickly. So that's a big challenge. There are a lot more players, as we mentioned. Um, and I think, I think it's just the, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges I have is when, you can, you go from one to the other. Sometimes even in the weekend, you can you can do an AFL game and an NBL game if they cross over, and it's about terminology and vernacular. And a couple of times I've sort of you know said the word defense in an AFL game, and it's probably sounded a bit silly and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's the, the the vernacular and the terminology can sometimes be the hardest part to to switch between them. And look, we mentioned all those sports that you've covered. Is there any sports I guess that you haven't covered that you'd like to one day? You know, is there any other sports that you're sort of a big fan of that you haven't got a chance to call yet? I'd love to go to the Olympics. That's, I think that's in, in any, any Commonwealth Games, capacity. I believe. Is that right? Or? 
Yeah, I did the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Had a pretty mm. amazing um, five weeks professionally. Went from South Africa uh, covering the third and fourth tests, now the infamous Sandpaper Gate scandal. Yep. Uh, scandal. Um, I was there for, for all of that, which was incredible. And then went from that to the Commonwealth Games to, to commentate lawn bowls, um, which was great. I, I enjoyed that a lot. It was an amazing experience and got to call, I think, four Australian gold medal wins uh, in, in the bowls, which was which was awesome. I, I, I still think about a lot of them today. Right. Well, something I wanted to ask as well, then, Jack, so I guess for myself, you know, long before I started my little part-time hobby of the NBL One commentary, um, <clears throat> always was a massive fan of the 90-year-old NBA caller, Hubie Brown, um, always someone that I was <laughs> yes. really enjoyed listening to. I've said that to Woody in the past. I felt every time I listened yeah. to him calling a game, there's something that I'd pick up each game or I'd learn something about the game there. So I wanted to know if there's any sort of basketball callers over the years that you've either looked up to or you've either possibly borrowed any parts of their style as well. Well, Case is the obvious one. John yeah, Case yeah. is the obvious one because, um, you know, that he's been the voice of Australian basketball for the best part of, of 20 years now. So he's the obvious one in terms of um, style and in terms of the way that he can narrate and set up a game. And, you know, he's still... He's still he, he, and, you know, great that we can have him every Saturday for a doubleheader this year. He's, he's, he's still going really well. Even going back before that, Steve Quartermain, as a kid mm, growing yeah. up, Quarters was the, the voice of the Channel 10 coverage. And I've been lucky to call a little bit of AFL with Quarters and, and kind of work with him on a different sphere as well. I think I don't think I necessarily adopted any one particular person's or caller's style, but I think in NBA they do they do historically leave a lot more room uh, and and basically, to me, particularly in three-man boots, that they just fill the gaps, basically. And you've got your two analysts that that talk for a lot of the game, and then you just fill the gaps. And and that was a style that when I started um, the broadcast side of things with the NBL, I'd done radio for, for a few years before it. But when I started TV, that was something that I wanted to be really deliberate in with the way that I called NBL games was to sit back, let the guys finish their conversation. Never jump over the top of them. As we were talking about earlier, their opinion is far more important than, than mine. Um, and just just be a facilitator, be a point guard, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I think that's style. Some, a lot of the NBA callers adopt something similar, and, and I think that's a great way to, to commentate basketball. Well, on that as well, Jack, I know um, you were gracious enough to give a lot of the NBL One commentators some training before the season started this year. and. Um, you really sort of mentioned the importance of, of knowing your role, right? So either you're going to be the, the play-by-play or you're going to be the colour commentator there. So how important do you think that is for, you know, especially at this NBL one level now where these people, you know, it is just a part-time role for them. How important do you think it is getting that role worked out? I think it's it's crucial. Um, mm-hmm. At NBL one level, Robbie, like we spoke about a few weeks ago, it's about being able to, to tune in and know who's calling the game, who's the expert and and essentially they, they shall not cross over. Um, you can have conversations, but you know, let's make sure that the expert is the expert and let's make sure that the caller is getting the opportunity to call the moments that matter as well. So role definition, I reckon, in any broadcast, whether it's AFL, cricket, um, netball, bowls, whatever it may be, role definition and, and understanding where you fit is really important, I, I think. 
before I give another question to Woody, you also mentioned, I think, um, when you were covering the NBL uh, finals, you'd go, you come armed with a you know page worth of notes and everything else like that. So, how much preparation would you put in before sort of you know calling any of these sports that you do? Um, I think from an NBL point of view, I reckon I reckon each each game's maybe five hours, five six hours. Mm. Um, there's I've got sort of different methods that I do. I still handwrite. Um, a lot of stuff. I make team templates at the start of the season and then sort of handwrite the gaps and all that sort of stuff. But there, there's a lot of stuff that, that I like to have. I have serious anxiety with if I don't have the information. Um, if I sit down and I feel underprepared, then it's in my head before we start. And so I just try and make sure as much as possible that that never happens. And sometimes that means late nights or early mornings or whatever you need to do to, to make it work. And I'm lucky that I've got a, a very understanding family who, who yep. know what I do and, and understand what you need to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I think from a, an NBL perspective, it's probably five, six hours. And then if you want to go back and watch anything, we're a bit lucky that we, we see the teams most times twice a weekend. So mm-hmm. you've got a pretty good gauge of the players, whereas AFL, sometimes you can go – four, five, six, seven weeks without actually commentating a team. Um, so I, I, I feel like it's important to go back and watch them. I'm commentating Essendon this weekend. I haven't commentated them live this year, so um, tomorrow night I'll, I'll be watching uh, a bit of their round two game just to make sure that I'm IDing the players and, and making sure I'm, I'm knowing who's who. All the pronunciation and everything else is, is big as well. That's the, the one thing I find really hard. I sort of look at that score sheet, the, you know, the team list. I'm like, please don't give me any really hard names. And you get some, some <laughs> doozies sometimes and you've got, to, you've got to make sure you say that right and respect them right. So, yeah. Well, I guess let's just go back to the NBL then, Jack. I know you spoke about, um, you know, I try not to have an opinion. You know, people here to listen to XYZ's opinions. Two guys I want to talk about, Andrew Gaze, Liam Santamaria. They're both friends of the show. They've both been guests on this show, actually. And Robbie and I have yes. got to know them yep. quite well, right? Um, what's it like working with those two? It must be fun. And also, you must have learned a lot, especially having guys like that by your side day to day, right? I've learned so much off Liam. If we can start with Liam, I've learned so much off him in terms of the X's and O's. You know, I like to think that I've got a pretty good handle on the game because I've sort of played it and been around it in some way, shape or form most of my life. But then there's another level and, and I don't necessarily need to know every single play and how, how it operates, but it does help to have a pretty fair idea of, you know, if, if they come out of a timeout and they're talking about a play that it, or pick and pop or whatever, it, it's, if I can see that it helps my commentary. Yep. So much of that I've learned from Liam sitting next to him, the notes that he makes I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but come game five of that championship series that we just finished off a couple of weeks ago, he had the plays all written down. He, he knew pretty much what every offensive set was from both Modi Mayor and Chase Buford yep. because he'd gone and done the work and he worked out for himself. So he's, I, I said it in the coverage, he's hes one of, if not the, the best basketball brain in Australia. And, and I yep. sincerely mean that. Um, and, how could you not love working with Andrew Gaze? It's funny. People always ask me with Gaze, is he really like that off the camera? There's no way he could be like that. And I say, everything that you see is exactly what he is. And that is the beauty of him. He's a national treasure. He yeah. he would be the same. I'm sure he was the same with you guys when he came on. He would be he the same if you played golf with him. He's just, 
if there were more Andrew Gazers in the world, we would never have wars. Like he's just he's just an amazing human, uh, and uh, I just consider myself so fortunate to to work with him and and spend a lot of time with him because he's just brilliant. He's an absolute legend. We had him on for what we think it was one of our longest shows, and we had him on. He just had so many stories <laughs> to tell. And a couple of times that message, you're sure you're not going too long, sort of thing. And he was he was really loving it. So yeah, and no, I appreciate that. And mentioned to my wife tonight, I said, Oh, this will be once we've had Jack on, we've had the all three from the commentary team now. So we're absolutely honored to sort of yeah. get you to sort of complete that for us. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll look, really appreciate sort of you know telling us a little bit about your, your story and sort of how you got into the business there. Well, we thought we might sort of go on to a little bit of you know NBL talk now, Jack. And Talk a little bit of free agency. Um, at the time of recording, it's um, Wednesday, the 29th of March. So we know tomorrow's um, when free agency opens there. Um, just wanted to ask you, Bill, I guess, before we go into the free agency there, um, obviously, you just finished calling those NBL finals um, in what was a really great series between New Zealand and Sydney. Um, wanted to know what that was like covering such a great series. Um, also, as well, if you can talk to us about the differences in calling a game in person at the stadium rather than being in the studio. How do you find that? Yeah, it was amazing, phenomenal. Um, actually, uh, the timing of this is good because I actually watched the game back for the first time earlier in the week. So, um, which I, I do watch a lot of stuff back to most of the time to be critical and listen to sit, hear what you're doing and what you're not doing and all that sort of stuff. But I just wanted to, I got myself in the headspace that I just wanted to sit back and watch this and enjoy it without worrying about how anything sounded or looked, just enjoy it. I'll remember when I think about career highlights, I'll think about that championship series as being one of my yep. career highlights up until now. And not just because we're in the venue, because it was just incredible. The standard of games were awesome. Breaking the crowd record twice in a row was, was phenomenal. Yeah. Just loved every minute of it. it. It was great. And in terms of being in the, the venue, yeah, it's not ideal to be in the studio and, and everyone's got an opinion on it. Trust me, as a as a broadcaster coming through, I didn't come through the system to sit in the studio and, and call games, but it's the reality, right? It's either it's either that or, or nothing. Um, I think the way as fans that we should all look at it this year is that we're in venue more this year than we have been in the last four to five years. So okay. that's got to be a positive, right? Um, and hopefully, hopefully there's some conversations about potentially being in venue yep. a bit more next year. Um, I, I know, I know the simple, and I'm not here to defend the decision or anything like that. The decision is made. I know the simple thing is to just say, well, why can't you just put a, a commentary team in each state and be done with it? It's not always that simple, and there are other things involved in the decision, and it's not just a, a, an economics decision as well. So there, there might be some skeptics who are saying that I'm bullshitting and, and drinking the yep. company Kool Aid. That's not not the case. There's more to it than just let's sit in the studio and save a few bucks. But let's look at the positive. Um, we're in venue a lot more this year and hopefully we are more in the future as well. So I, I see that as, fingers crossed, a, a sign of some good things to come. I think you're right on that. I think people all, you know, will have various opinions on that. I can't say it's bothered me a whole lot. I think I've probably been a little bit more, you know, defending that with you guys being there. I think as long as the sound matches up and everything, that's a big one for me. As long as there's no delays with that sort of stuff, that's probably the only thing that I'd be, you know, annoyed if that wasn't working. But, yeah, don't sort of see a big issue. But, yeah, obviously for you guys, how much, you know, better it would be being in the stadium and sort of feeling that atmosphere and everything as well. Yeah. We don't like, as I said, we don't love it. Like, we're, mm. we're not sitting there going, How great is it that we get to call games? You know, a, an amazing game at RAC Arena. Like, that. that's one of my big things. I want to get to RAC Arena next season, even just as a fan, just to just to experience it. 
go to a Tassie game next season to experience what that's like because everyone tells me that that's the loudest crowd in Australia. We don't love it, but we love the league and we love that every game is broadcast. And I suppose when you think about where things were from 2015 when, when Larry bought the league and took over to where we are now and the size of the broadcast deal that the league now has and all that sort of stuff, it's come a long way in a pretty short space of time. So I guess the, the message is just just be patient because I think things are trending in the right direction when it comes to more of that in-stadium stuff. And, and guys, look, speaking to Matt McQuaid as well, he, he, he tells me, look, the emotion that I feel for the atmosphere sometimes, you can see that come out in my voice, right? And mm-hmm. that's, that's something that's, that's kind of missing when you're, you know, uh, commentating a bit remotely, right? I, I think, but um, it's not the worst thing, but you, you, you take in everything a little bit more and that comes out in, in the commentary, I think, right? Yeah, that's, that's the one thing that you can't replicate, Woody. Like, yeah. my, my, um, I have a different sound setting in my headphones to everyone else because I have the crowd noise cranked up to a million in my yep. ears just to try and get it as close to, to being there as possible. But at the end of the day, we're not. Um, and we don't, we don't lie. We don't say that we're there when we're not. Um, yep. I think it's pretty well known by now. So um, yep. it is what it is. And as yep. I say, hopefully, it's, um, hopefully things are, are trending in a different direction. Uh, good stuff there, Jack. Well, I wanted to ask you as well, look, obviously the two of us have really enjoyed the four episodes to date of the marketplace. Um, and as I yeah. said before, given we are one day away from free agency starting, I um, wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, who would you say would be some of the bigger names that you know teams will be really looking to sign from tomorrow, March the 30th? This is like Christmas Eve, isn't it? The free agency <laughs> opens tomorrow. And um, yeah, I think we'll get some stuff happening pretty quickly from, from what I can tell. I mean, the obvious ones are, are Will McDowell. White. Um, Any time that you can have an Australian point guard of that quality, it means that you can do other things with your imports. It means that you can be more creative with your roster. Um, Will's we'll a star. Will we'll showed throughout that championship series his worth, um, and he's still only 24 or 25. So, like we were talking about with Keanu earlier, like we may not have actually seen the best of Will McDowell White yet, which is really exciting. Um, I don't know where he lands, and I know that everyone has, has made an inquiry, no doubt about that. that. Why wouldn't you? I just wonder whether there's something for Will in the New Zealand system and finding something that's really worked for him. And I think Modi has brought the best out in, in all of his guys this season, but particularly Will. He gave Will the ball and, and said, you're the man. I just wonder whether that, it, it, without knowing the, the money and, and the tic-tacs and all that sort of stuff, if it can be... Somewhere that's appealing enough for Will. I wonder whether he goes back to New Zealand. They try and win one next season because it's something that's really worked for him. So that that wouldn't shock me at all if he's back there with the Breakers next season. What's your thoughts on that, Woods? I know you're a big fan yeah. of old BMW. There, where would you love like BMW, go? man? That's my guy. So what he said, and if you recall, before the season, Jack uh, Liam had him on the huddle, right? And one thing stood out to me. What he said was. I actually like being in New Zealand. I like being away from all my family where, where I'm just not distracted by people and I'm in my own bubble and, and, and I actually prefer that. And he's actually thrived there, as you said, under Coach Modi. And, and just hearing that back and just the way that team played this year and so close, right? And they're building on things there and him, him being the, the quarterback there, I think uh, it would make sense for him to go back, right? 
Yeah, I, I think so. And if they could, I mean, I don't. We don't know what happens with Jarrell Brantley. He had the the ten day with Amazing. Utah. It doesn't look like that's going to be extended. He could be back. Um, and Barry Brown Jr. was money in the in the final series as well. Yeah. So if they can get all those pieces back together, for sure. I think the the other big name that that we spoke about, Rob, is um, Keanu is obviously going to have a lot of attention. The way Keanu's going in in Europe, I, I'm I'm less confident by the day that we're going to see him back here next season. So if that happens, I think one of the the other big names to really watch here is DJ Ho out of yep. Cairns, mm. who was fantastic. Um, this is a guy that can handle the ball, can shoot, can rebound, can block shots, takes big shots at big moments. Um, Cairns would love to have him back. There's no doubt about that. But Most I just wonder whether some of the big dogs, like your Sydney, we'll like him. your Melbourne, yeah, Perth would take him in a minute as we'll well. Take so, soon, yeah, yeah. I think there'll be um, I think there'll be a lot of interest in DJ Hogan, as there should be. Well, let's talk about Keanu a little bit more, right? Um, killing it in the ACB. Just some stats for you guys: averaging nineteen point three points, eight point seven rebounds, one point three blocks. He's shooting fifty percent from the land of plenty. I mean, this guy. I mean, he's getting his Bohemian. I think you said it on your show. He's getting his Bohemian passport, right? How does that help him, Jack? Yeah. Ah, that's more Olgan's. Uh, that's more <laughs> that's Olgan's. Yeah, yeah. Passports and all that sort of stuff. I don't have a great history with my own passport, let alone uh, other people's passports. So, yeah, I, I think he's. Um, it, it was our greatest fear, right? Like selfishly, we want, particularly Australian guys, we want them yeah. playing in our league. But it was our greatest fear, I think, that Keanu would go to Europe and and suit that ECB style of, of basketball. And, sure. and so far he has. So, yeah, f- fingers crossed he's back next season. If he comes back, he's, he's the, the value of that young man has gone through the roof, no question about it. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a little shot for Summer League this year as well. You know, I mean, if a guy like Nolan's Noel can play in the NBA, tell, tell me why uh, Keanu can't, you know. I think he might get a look in there on, in Summer League as well. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to get a Wildcats question in for you as well, Jack. So hearing a lot of rumours floating around that, you know, Perth potentially aren't going to be bringing back Mitch Norton and Todd Blanchfield, which kind of got some mixed feelings there. But also now hearing that, you know, Luke Travers is is not a lock to go back either. I know a few teams are obviously chasing him and at only 21 years of age, you know, he's someone that the Wildcats would love to keep. But what are you sort of hearing about any potential moves coming out of Perth there? Probably, I mean, probably not more much more than what you said, Rob, only because there are so many different things about Luke Travers getting around at the moment. Um, I think if you spoke to people in, in WA last week, I think they were pretty confident that he was coming back. Um, I think maybe earlier in the week of this week, we're recording on a Wednesday, as you said, I, I think there might be some people starting to get a bit concerned by that. The interesting thing for me will be, Luke's going to make, and his agent will make a decision based on what's best for him, as he should. And that's not just a money thing. For for Luke, who has his rights with an NBA team, it's it's probably going to be an element of it will be what's the best situation in terms of where will he start consistently, not coming off the bench, where will he start? Who will run an offense that will have Luke as, as the number one or, or number two man in that? And and a situation where he's going to play 30 minutes or 20, 28, 30 minutes a game. So I'm sure those conversations have been had with Perth, but at times last season that wasn't there for him. So you would think that that's got to be a factor, no doubt about it. 
Well, so look, I'll throw this one to both of you as well. Isaac Humphries is a name we keep hearing that he's probably unlikely to go back to Melbourne there. Where would you guys like to see him end up? And what, what do you think a team that could um, use him would be? Yeah. Perth. Mm. Yeah. Perth, I think I think Isaac would be a great fit for Perth. Um, yeah. Australian big. Again, another one of these young guys that ha- maybe hasn't quite reached his full potential. His body's let him down a little bit, but he played pretty consistent basketball this season. Perth is screaming out for a big man in the middle. So Sean Thomas tried his hardest, but was probably a little bit undersized. If they Definitely. can get a, an Australian big, then it probably leaves them the option to bring Brady Manick back, which I would personally. I think if you get a good centre, you can bring Brady back and, and play him more as that, that pop-out four shooter. Um, I think Isaac could be a fantastic fit for the Wildcats. I really do. You're getting me excited now. Woody, what are you going to say? You're Sydney, right? Look, I mean, he could come back to Sydney, Tim Suarez, you know, he, he, you know, he could have a two-headed monster there with Jordy Hunter and Isaac Humphries. He had success there as a rookie. But but I, I agree with Jack. Perth is a good fit. Um, the big thing about Isaac is him staying healthy and getting to play a full season, right? We saw he played for Atlanta Hawks for a little while, came back here, mm-hmm. and that early part of, you know, that play he had with Adelaide early on, right? Unreal. You know, his MVP quality. Defensive player of the year quality, but since then he hasn't been able to replicate that form due to health issues. So if he can get healthy, he he can help the team. And and someone like Perth is is looking for an Australian five, as as Jack alluded to. So, yeah. Uh, well said. Well, what's on the cards for yourself now, Jack? Now the NBL season's finished. Obviously, you know you'll be doing the the free agency stuff, and obviously the AFL, like you said. But what else is on the on the cards for you? Well, hopefully a little bit of rest somewhere somewhere down yeah. the line. It was a it was a pretty busy summer, but yeah, uh, footy um, AFL commitments with Triple M, which is great. I, I love working with them. It's my third season calling with them, and, and just have so much fun every time you go to the footy uh, free agency, as you say, Rob. We're going to hit that pretty hard for the next few weeks, and and really make sure that, that matters to to basketball fans, but also the, the the broader media and and the interest. I think in it already before it's even started has probably justified some of the decisions that, that we've made in terms of trying to blow it up a little bit, which is great. Um, and then, geez, before you know it, we'll be starting to talk about Summer League and Blitz and, and all these things. And before you know it, the season will, will be here again. So, and, you know, I, I won't be there, but we might be able to squeeze a bit of World Test Championship in there as well. But, uh, yeah, it, it'll be busy. Like, it, it's, you know, it, things, things revolve pretty quickly in, in this industry, no doubt. Good stuff. Look, before we wrap it up, guys, I, I thought it would be wrong of me not to sort of give a big shout out to the Townsville Fire there. Um, of course, WNBL champions with that 2 0 uh, win over the Flyers there. Um, big, uh, huge shout out to friend of the show and an absolute star in um, Lauren Nicholson there. So I might just get both of your thoughts there, just to yeah. give me a, a couple of, you know, a couple of words on, on what your thoughts were on that grand final and, and the Fire's victory. Oh, well, what can a I give a shout out? Can I, can yeah, for sure. Go for it. Oh. Shout out to Steph Reed. She's a star. She, she's a Frankston girl, born and bred, Mornington Peninsula girl. Yep. She's a star. She, she's one of, if not the best, Australian point guards in the country right now. And I'd love to see her wearing you know, more green and gold yep. sooner rather than later. And the other shout, shout out, I think, is to Kate Gaze, who yep. oh, yeah. again, played yeah. with Frankston a little bit. But Kate started the season doing courtside reporting yeah, she did. and finished yeah. the season winning the title. That's, that's a pretty remarkable story when you think about it. Unreal, yeah. And even Shyla, you know, all the problems that happened in Sydney for her to, to pick up um, and then play there and, and win a championship chance, where she's been before, uh, was great for her. And, I mean, what a run, 16 in a row to get there, right? So 
deserving. You know, we we said Robbie and me were saying, look, it's got to be one of the three Melbourne teams that's going to take it out at the halfway point, right? For sure, right? And then Townsville just went on a run that that will be remembered in history for a long time. So yeah, I'm going to say I'm interested well, to so. see. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens next with Shannon Seabomb as well. Yeah. Like his his coaching record with Townsville speaks for itself. Uh, yep. I'm certainly not trying to push Sandy out of the Opals job or anything like that, <laughs> but you you wonder, even WNBA, you wonder whether someone yeah. has a really good look at Shannon Seabomb because he's he's a winner. There's no doubt about it. Great call. And his players absolutely love playing for him, don't they? You always hear yeah. good sort of things there. And look, Woods, you mentioned, mentioned Shiloh Hill before. You know, called the Sydney Comets against the Hills Hornets the other week with Vanessa Panousas yep. just going crazy and scoring 35 points. They're adding Shiloh Hill to that team. So if that's not the best backcourt in the women's NBL one in all of Australia, I'd love to see, you know, a backcourt that is. So looking forward to see how she'll go in that league now. And yeah, it certainly worked out well for her. Didn't it? Obviously a bit of a controversial season with what happened at Sydney, but she ended up, you know, being a champion there. So yeah, again, just a big shout out to, to Townsville there on that victory. So all right, well, you've been really generous with your time, Jack, so we'll just start to sort of wrap it up a little bit now. Um, so, look, as I mentioned at the start of the show, please make sure you subscribe to us on, on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, just a reminder, we can be followed on Twitter. We're at Throwbacks Hoops. On Instagram, we're throwback.hoops. Um, and, of course, our email address is throwbackhoopspodcast at gmail.com. Um, Woods, you want to give your shout-outs before we go to Jack? Uh, look, Patreon, thank you for everyone that subscribes to us and pledges their support. You don't have to, but we appreciate you doing that. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Look, Jack, we've spoken about, you know, the different platforms you're on, but where can people sort of follow you, listen to you and all those sorts of good things? Uh, well, mostly over the winter will be with uh, with the Triple M family and the Triple M network with footy and, and some other things uh, along the way. And then, yeah, with the with the NBL season not too far away, we'll be back for broadcast next season and, and Triple M cricket as well. So it's going to be very busy. And if you manage to just sneak past the TV in, in I think it's late June, early July, there's the Australian Open Bowls, which you can check out as well, which um which will be good fun. So, yeah, it'll be a, a busy little period, no doubt. That's great. Well, look, we really appreciate you coming on, Jack. As I said, you've been so generous with your time. Thanks so much for all the little tips you've given me over the last sort of, you know, few weeks just with the NBL1 coverage there. So, you know, now I've got your details. I'm sure I'll pester you again during the season if I've got a question. But um, I'm sure you'll be watching some of that NBL1 as well. Um, you mentioned, obviously, the Frankson team with Newley there. You might be sort of, um, you know, watching them and everything else like that. But, yeah, just wanted to, to really thank you again. It's a big shout-out from the Throwback Hoops crew. Thanks so much, Jack. Uh, thank much you for love. having me, boys. I, I'm- Love what you do. I love your passion for the game. It's it's awesome that, as I say, you got the best jersey game in Australia, hands down. So thank you for having me. And just got a uh, a message from my fiance in the next room who said I look nothing like Jason Statham. So uh, I love you, blokes, even more. Excellent. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks. Peace. Thanks, guys.